This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week are two pretty cool people. Renee Rodriguez. Buenas tardes. And Kate Lamphere. Hi. Thank you both for joining me this week. I'm super jazzed to be talking about comic books with you all because comic books are the best thing in the universe. I've decided it. I'm making that statement this week. Before we get everything started, I do want to plug one cool thing that we did this week. I Read Comic Books opened a little tiny thing on Big Cartel. We opened a store, so now we are selling our leftover t-shirts and stickers and pins that we have. So if you didn't get one from the Kickstarter, you can go to store.ircbpodcast.com. You can get one of those, and I'll mail it out to your house with a bunch of other cool stuff. I have a bunch of dollar bin comics and random little tidbits that I'm just going to throw in a bag and send to you. So get hyped. Go buy a t-shirt. Go buy a pin. Go buy a sticker. Anyways, let's move on. Let's actually talk about what we're here to talk about every single week, which is comic books. So let me ask the question I ask every week. How have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Renee. Uh, I've been good. And comic books, as always, have been a wonderful friend to me. This week I read... <laughs> well, I mean, if comics aren't going to be your best friend, who will? Um, right. Anyways, I read the original uh, Spider-Girl run, issues three to five. Uh, original Spider-Man 2099 run, issues 1 through 3. And in the manga world, I also read Kakaishi, volume 30. But the one that I really want to talk about is Platinum End, volumes 3 and 4 that I read. And the mm-hmm. story is by Sugumi Oba, and the art is by the amazing Takeshi Obata. By the way, this team is the same team that brought us Death Note and Bakuman. So, not Bakugan, but Bakuman. Bakuman. Which, as some of you may or may not know, me and Mike Rabin have talked about that series a lot because it's super meta and talks about the manga industry. But Platinum End is their third project together, and it's actually about people who are fighting for uh, to be the next god in the world. And uh, actually, it's a lot of themes about morality and, you know, just, you know, sort of the ideas of, of. you know, what is good and whatnot. And uh, it's really interesting, really beautiful. It's one of my favorite manga. I I have all the volumes except for volume five, but it's super good and I super hard recommend it. Those guys, they love tackling really dark, deep things. Like even in, even in Bakuman, which is kind of more of a lighthearted story, they're still talking about like, do you write a good story versus do you make a lot of money? Like where is that balance between capitalist like benefit and providing good a good piece of art? What's up with those dudes, Renee? I mean, I don't know. I, I, it's mostly Sugumi Oba who like who does most of the story, so I think he just has a lot of thoughts about morality and like what's good and what's not. Because they also talk about using fans and other like non professionals to write stories versus working with an editor, and that's a huge arc in Bakuman, which I think that everyone who's ever had the argument about you know publish professional publishers and uh, oh, what's it called. Uh, fan fiction they should read that mm-hmm. arc because that whole thing is about it even if it is a little bit like uh in the end obviously they're working with the publishers so they have to like come out on that way but it does have a really good you know conversation about it absolutely yeah the whole crowdsourced story development thing it's it's a really cool arc in that book yeah but i mean i don't know i guess they just really like just tackling this sort of thing and what's really cool, though, is if you read Death Note or if you read Bakuman, there's all these stories that they have clearly thought of, like, ways that they can go. 
and they tack on all those ideas later on in other series. Like there are ideas that are from Death Note that show up in Bakuman. And there's things from Bakuman that have shown up in Death Note and are showing up now in Platinum End. So it's mm-hmm, really cool mm-hmm. to see all those little Easter eggs that just glittered through and then the way that they've changed. So it's it's super interesting and that's kind of why I love them as a team. Man, that's awesome. I didn't realize that this was collected in English yet. I might have to find these yeah, somewhere. They've I might got, have to go to the library. They have five volumes out right now. That's awesome. And I, I believe it's a it's a monthly series, so okay. And, but do be warned, it is super dark, and it's a, it's it's really dark, and it's really it's. I would say it's even darker than uh, Death Note. Oh boy! <laughs> oh no! Because <laughs> like the the beginning deals with because uh, like all the God candidates are people that were either on the brink of death or wanted to die. Okay. So like the main character basically tries to commit suicide in the first like three pages of the book oh and, fun and then he gets saved by an angel and then he's the angel's like you should become god oh no <laughs> okay so you already convinced me to read this so um i'm gonna have to find the first volume absolutely as fast as i can probably tomorrow that's what i'm gonna do <laughs> so thanks renee you're thanks welcome kate how you been how have comic books been for you i've been good i went uh, cabin camping this weekend and I woke up to a sheet mm-hmm. of ice on my car so <laughs> it's not spring yet here it was 70 <laughs> 78 yesterday in New York so I don't I know. know what the problem is it was really warm a couple <laughs> days ago global yeah. warming yeah the the weather the outdoors let's just all stay inside and read comics yeah absolutely <laughs> it's either uh, that or the Norse gods are messing with us could be that too uh, comics have been great for me. I am finally finishing up my library haul from back in February. Luckily, they keep just renewing themselves, so I can finish them at my at my own pace. Uh, mm-hmm. I read Giant Days number 37, Isola number 1, Thrawn number 2, Hotel Africa volume 1, thanks to the library, and Tokyo Ghoul tome 1, <laughs> again, tome. thanks to the library. <laughs> What is it? What's the difference between a tome and a volume? I don't know. I think it's okay. the same idea. It's okay. just called something different. Uh, this is by Shui Aishida. And Renee, I want you to know that every time I go to the library, I try to pick up at least one manga book. So I grabbed this uh, thinking of you. <laughs> I'm honored. Thank you. <laughs> that has uh, that I will that will get me through this week. Sincerely. Thank there, you. There are quite a few more manga. Uh, books I want to check out from the library. I've got a whole list for the next time I go. So you got to read Haikyuu. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. Okay. One of us. One of <laughs> us. One of us. One of us. Uh, in this book, there's this guy that gets bitten by a ghoul and he turns into a ghoul. Spoilers. Uh, that happens pretty early <laughs> on though. Uh, and from what I can tell. If he doesn't eat human flesh, he goes crazy, I think. Okay. Uh, so it's him trying not to lose his humanity and mm-hmm. adjust to this new way of living. And it's just, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it's got, it's kind of like a coming of age story, but it's a coming of 
of ghoul story. (laughs) 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 And it's it's just him figuring out that, like, you know, ghouls are real. Everyone that he knows may or may not be a ghoul. They're everywhere. And Oh, wow. I'm going to check out Tome Tome 2 or Volume 2, maybe Part 2, the next one, whatever it's called. So so he so he gets bitten by this ghoul and he's still like is a corporeal person that like lives life and has to survive but yeah. in, in, but in order to survive he has to eat human flesh. Yeah. It's very similar okay. to a lot of the the vampire stories of today. Well, okay. I thought sort of. <laughs> so well cuz he doesn't get he doesn't get bitten. The ghoul tries to eat him. Oh, and all right. Then, and then someone ends up killing the other ghoul or it ends up dying some way. And then some doctor goes, Hey, this kid's going to die. Here's some other body parts. I'll just put them in the kid. So he's just got ghoul parts in him. And that's sort of turning him into like a ghoul human hybrid. Okay. See, I immediately like read this and then watched like I zombie and shadow hunters. And they have very similar, like, I don't want to kill people things. So that's kind of what I latched onto, but you're right. Okay. He has ghoul organs now. He's got ghoul organs, and so he also, since he's a hybrid, only the ghouls have their when they get hungry, their eyes change colors, and so the the main <laughs> character is... only one eye changes when he gets hungry, so he wears an eye patch over it constantly, <laughs> and that's why. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's man, a, this, it's is, really, this sounds great. The ghoul, like special effects, I guess the the illustrations for when they're when they're ghouling out is really neat. I really like it. So, very cool. Well, for me this week, um, I felt like I couldn't get into any of the comics. Like I'd sit th- that I had. Like I'd sit down and I just couldn't read anything. Um, I read a lot the previous week, so I think like it's just my body or my brain just trying to like sw- I don't know swing back or whatever on the pendulum. But I did meet. I did read a couple of things. I read Pretty Deadly Volume One. I read, which is for the Goodreads Book of the Month. So you hear more about that at the end of the month for me. Um, I read Exiles number one. This is that Saladin Ackman joint, and it's fucking amazing. I'll just say that. But the one book that I do want to talk about is Domino number one. This is from Gail Simone. Like, I'm really torn that I had to choose between Exiles number one and Domino number one because they were both so good. But Domino number one was by far, like, the best book I've, like, best X-Men book I've read in a very, very long time. Gail Simone, she gets the X-Men. Like, this is with, uh, I should say, David Baldion on pencils, Clayton Cowles on letters, um, Jesus Abertov on colors, and David Baldion on inking as well. This book totally slapped me in the face. I didn't know what to expect, but I figured, hey, it's a new number one. It's Domino, a character that I really like, and it's Gail Simone on writing. Like, what can go wrong in this book? The answer is nothing can go wrong because this book is perfect. She totally gets the X-Men. She totally gets what a solo book is about. I mean, I know I'm not trying to say she wouldn't because it's fucking Gail Simone here, right? <laughs> she is she's triple A class writer and the fact that she's on an X-Men book means that she could maybe do more X-Men in the future and that would slay me. I would die. Because this book alone did better than any of the group X-Men books have done in the last year, I think. And I'm not trying to shit on those other guys. It's just, this is Gail fucking Simone. (laughs) And she really gets how to get into a character's head, build up a, a kind of fun little cast of characters, throw it all together, and then leave you begging for more in the last page of the book. Like, basically, the last page of the book is a literal, almost literal cliffhanger. And... 
I love that. She built this whole story up in such a way that like blew my mind, and I was so relieved to actually have a good X-Men book. I mean, now that Tom Taylor's all-new Wolverine is done, I have another good X-Men book that I could latch on to and hope and pray that we'll... Or, or not really even have to pray, but just know this book is going to be good. So I'm very excited. I've been trying to tell... I think I've told 15 people that they need to read this book since I read it on Wednesday. So... I'm very excited about this story, you guys, if you can't tell. I've seen this a lot. It seems like a lot of people like this book. Yeah, and I, I have a feeling this is going to be a really good collected book. I have a feeling, like, if you're not on this bandwagon, you need to get on it because it's going to be absolutely amazing. I want I want this book to outsell other X-Men books. I want this to outsell Avengers. It is that good of a book. Um and Gail Simone, she just, she fucking nails Domino's the character. It's so, so fantastic. Like, there's all these little subtle nods and all these little X-Men things that just make the book work from the art perspective, from kind of what Domino says, how she interacts with other characters. It is, it is just kissy fingers, kissy fingers, left and right. Every, every other page, especially the last half of the book, was really just, she gets it. She fucking gets it. I'm so happy. So that's that's me. <laughs> I didn't know Avengers even had a book still. I, there's like 500 Avengers books, but they're not all called Avengers books. I don't know. I think there's a big one that because they're, they're leading up to issue 700. I don't really pay attention to that stuff. If you listener out there know more about the Avengers than me, you probably do. Send us an email. Let us know what's going on. We'll read it on the show next week. Also, um, is it but, worth reading? I would like to is, know that one. That's a great question as well. Let us know if it's good and... <laughs> Let us know what's actually going on with the Avengers. But let's move on. Let's talk about comic books coming out in this upcoming week. Books are released on April 18th, 2018. What are you both excited for? Let's start with you, Kate. I'm excited for Musketeers number three. It's written by Terry Cavanaugh. The artwork is by Daniel Main. The colors are by Brian Valenza. And letters by Taylor Esposito. I just mm-hmm. found out that this book even exists, and I'm really excited about it. Um, number three is coming out this week, which means that there are now three issues for me to read, which is great. Yeah. It's, it's about a modern-day group of ladies that are empowered by the Book of Fables. And from the, the previews pages I've been able to find online, it looks like they fight mythical creatures in modern day. So I think it is probably a callback to the Musketeers of like King Arthur times or, or whenever. Like the three, like, like the Alexander three Dumas, three musketeers. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. okay. I'm, I don't, I don't know yet. Um, I'm excited to find out. Okay. <laughs> so it's, it's a five part mini. Okay. So it's, it's almost wrapped up. I'm, I'm wondering if they'll release a trade and I could read it in trade all in one sitting. That'd be, that'd, that'd be pretty be nice. Dope. Yeah. That sounds cool though. Yeah. Do you know who publishes this? Xenoscope, I think. Oh, okay. And okay. They, I don't know much about them uh, as a publisher, but I, I did see a couple of other books that are on my to-read list on their website. Okay. So it okay. seems like a publisher I should probably just learn more about. Kate, you should you should tell me what you think. I, I don't want to like skew your perception with what I know about Xenoscope. So I hope that the next time you're on the show, you'll come back and let us know because there's, there's all sorts of things that I know a lot of people think about Xenoscope but if you don't know anything about them I would really love to hear your like yeah. new newly found perspective on this because that would I you don't get that very often with comics you know well it seems like this might be an all-male team on this book of women absolutely. characters it so, absolutely is so I'm a little concerned about uh, particularly <laughs> the artwork in this okay okay but we'll see I, I do want to read this so I'll check it out cool 
Cool. Well, Renee, what about you? What are you excited for this upcoming week? Uh, well, I'm excited for two things, but I'm only going to talk about one because we just had an episode about Action Comics 1000. So if you want to know about that, go check that out from us. From yeah, listen to that CD. bonus 1000 episode. It's, it's really cool. Kara and Paul go deep on Superman and Action Comics. I would rephrase that, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. They go... They they did some research, they the well-research thoughts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyways, other than Action Comics 1000, uh, I'm excited for Tokyo Ghoul Re, Volume 4 by Sui Ishida. Uh, and Tokyo Ghoul Re is actually the second part of the Tokyo Ghoul series. So there's two series, technically. There's the first one that Kate picked up, Tokyo Ghoul. And then that series actually ends kind of on a cliffhanger. And you're just kind of like, is that the whole series? What the hell? And then they were like, no, it's just the second series. For some reason. So how many volumes of Tokyo Ghoul are there for me to read now? I think they're, in the first series, I want to say that it's around 12, but I could have gone up to 15. All right. I don't remember. So a solid couple of months. (laughs) I don't remember. I I read through Tokyo Ghoul in less than a week. Okay. Um, But just go to the library and stay there until I'm done. I mean, I I don't know. I have... I can blow through a series if it's really interesting. And, like, um, when I say a week, it meant that, like, like I spent an hour or two reading Tokyo Ghoul a day. And it was and I was like, what? No more? Uh, I don't know. But um, Tokyo Ghoul Re follows, or it keeps going. And, honestly, Tokyo Ghoul Re is the most confusing thing I've ever read in my entire life. Uh, I don't understand what's going on. I'm like current. I still have. I have. I've read everything. I have no idea what's going on in the series. Um, but it okay. looks. It looks great. I still. Pretty much, I'm just like in it to, you know, know what's happened. I'm just trying to get to the end. But it's not like with Bleach, where I'm just like I'm tired of the series. I'm just like, I don't know what's going on. That guy looks the same as like these other ten characters, but they've got different names. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Someone I know is here. Wait, what's happening? Who's the bad guy? What is happening? So do you recommend this book or? (laughs) Here's the thing. Up until the last 20 chapters, it was great. Wonderful. I understood everything. It was really good. Super emotional. And I almost got really mad because I was like, I swear to God, if they kill this one character, I'm going to flip. But like, that's, that's like one of the best feelings because, you know, the writers like, you know, anything can happen. So that's good. And just the last, mm-hmm. like, the last half of this arc has just been super confusing. But at the same time, it's because there's a lot of things going on. So I would recommend it, but I would say, don't be like me. Take your time with it. Don't just blow through it, because you're going to get lost. So Gotcha. Cool. How about you, Mike? Well, for me, I am excited for the book that I'm excited about every time it comes out. I'm sorry, listeners, but it's Fence Number 5. This is the best non manga manga comic book being published <laughs> in america right now as far as i'm concerned this is c.s pacat and joanna the mad i i love this book to death this is a a book about fencing and it is built in the same way that you would expect a shonen manga to be built so it's there's arch nemeses and there's a whole cast of characters and you get to know them all through little tiny little vignette scenes and stuff Right now, they're in the middle of this who's going to join the official fencer team tournament. So, of course, it's got the tournament aspect to it that all good manga or shonen manga have. Um, I'm a total sucker for this book. Getting to know all these characters has been like a, 
a beautiful little thing. Every issue, you get just little pieces and and dribbles of every little character, which is really nice. Meanwhile, you get to you meet our two main characters, Seji and the kid whose name I can't remember. I'm sorry. <laughs> and they're the two are they're the two rivals. And Seji is this perfect, beautiful fencing prodigy and yet he's at this not so hot school for fencing and the question is why is he there and the mystery is slowly revealing itself as the story goes on and i'm really really loving it i i can't express how amazing this book is if you're not picking it up in single issues you better go get that trade and if you don't like the trade i'm throwing out one of my mike rapid official <laughs> money guaranteed payback things where if you don't like the first trade let me know and i will send you the money to refund that book that's how much i believe in it it is that good so when that trade comes out i'm gonna make a big fuss about it on this show everyone should be reading fence it is beautiful the the, the art is amazing the story is fantastic it's got a wide diverse cast of characters this book is perfect it is the perfect comic book as far as i'm concerned right now and it's not even an x-men book so that's saying something folks <laughs> is this the last issue in the series i don't think this is the last issue i think they're it, it, as far as i know it's ongoing okay because I it was many. Much, so if they're in the middle no of a way. tournament arc there's no way it's the end i mean obviously yeah. something's going to happen where the tournament's going to get interrupted because tropes but sure you know, I mean, if it's like, if it is as like a manga as you say, something's gonna happen in the tournament that you know. Oh yeah, I think that's what this issue is. I don't think it's gonna get interrupted, but something's gonna happen that's going to interrupt who's gonna be on the official fencing team. But the other, you know, one character's gonna have to make it up. It's probably either Seji, this the prodigy boy, or our main character who's like the up and coming underdog, which has been his story since the beginning. He's constantly on the up and up, like I can do this, and everyone's like, "You're bad," and he's like, <laughs> "But I can do it." <laughs> <laughs> the, the battle you want to see can't happen yet is the basic exactly. thing. Well, and they've done a really good job of slyly getting around it. Renee, you and I could do a whole episode about this because <laughs> you love manga so much. If you read this book, dude, I think we could sit down and just have a big meta discussion about it. So anyways, everyone should go read <laughs> Fence. It's, it is so, so fantastic. I kind of want to read it and hope that I don't like it just so that you will pay me money. But at yes. the same time, I feel like that won't happen. So. Yes. Well, we talked about this, I think, on another episode, because, like, Joanna the Mad, she's from Mexico, and you were like, oh, a Mexican illustrator, and you were like, you were going to get it. So you Also, her name's Joanna book. the Mad. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this book is fantastic. That's all I'll say. Why don't you go by Mike the Cyborg? I'm just wondering. One day. I'm not there yet. I haven't ascended yet. I mean, my, 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 brother, my brother, when I have to talk about you, he goes, is that Cyborg Mike? Yeah. <laughs> Before we get into this week's actual topic, I want to give a quick shout out to all the people who sent in their pull list information. I'm going to send out an email and a direct messages on Twitter to all of you who got back to us. It's so cool to know how you're reading your comic books. Thank you so much for sending in a message. It really helps like get me into the mindset of like how best do we give out advice on how to manage your pull list and all that stuff. And it's really cool to hear how you do things, which is way different than how myself, Paul, and Nick mentioned last week. But one more thing before we actually get into the topic, I'm sorry. 
We have a Q&A episode coming up on May 16, so make sure to send us your questions before May 13 so that it can end up on the show because we record the show on Sundays. So send us an email at ircb at destroythesive.org or send us a message on Twitter using the hashtag ircbqa and we will make sure to get to your question. We only have a couple slots left, so make sure to do that fast before anyone else because we need those questions and we want you to be on the episode. So let's actually get into this. Let's actually get into this topic. We are going going to be talking about comic books as a medium to expand a television or movie universe. This isn't something that's like Buffy season 8 where the story is continued in the comic. This is more like supplementary comic books that add value to the overall franchise of some sort. So usually you see this in, you know, something like Ghostbusters or Firefly, but we're going to go into that and discuss what it means, what we like about these comics, what we don't like about these comics. So I'm going to shut up and let Kate, who is our resident comic book TV movie masterwork person get started with this topic (laughs) yeah so i was watching a tv show a couple of well years back now and i wanted more content so i started looking into the orphan black uh like even just for for fan fiction maybe because it was they're like short season fairly short seasons not like the 24 episode seasons that we're kind of used to in america it's from Canada. So yeah, I started looking yeah. into this, and it turns out that they were releasing comic books. So I started buying the Orphan Black comic books, and they filled out some backstory that's referred mm-hmm. to in the TV show. They refer to the the Helsinki event, and of course, in the TV show, you have no idea what that is. It's just referred to as something that they don't want to have happen again. And okay. the show is about clones... Um, there's a set of clones that that meet each other. Not they're not supposed to have met each other. They're they're an experiment. And the Helsinki event was another setup like that, where all these clones that weren't supposed to ever know about each other's existence met, and it went very poorly for the people who were trying to run this experiment. So those people who are the villains don't want this to happen again in Canada. Or right. where, or maybe it's supposed to take place in America. I honestly wasn't sure. <laughs> Canada, it all looks the same, you know. It, America, Canada, for the most part, when you're on that border area, it's all pretty much the same, right? Yeah. I mean, technically, <laughs> if you watch a movie or a television show, like most of those cities that are supposed to be those cities, it's Toronto. So. Right. Anyway, so uh, so the comics filled out this backstory and it told the story of, of an entirely different set of characters than, than what we had seen in the television show. And one of the characters actually does show up in the TV show the very last season because that's wrapped up now. Uh, so it was just really interesting to see how they, they filled out this backstory. They kind of brought the same kind of dynamic to these women who were supporting one another going through this really difficult um, self-exploration that they weren't unique in the world i guess (laughs) okay uh but they were like at the same time they do a really good job of making these women very different with the same dna (laughs) and in that that show everyone's all these women are played by the same actress right yeah uh tatiana manslani or something like that i don't know how you pronounce her name but she's wonderful sure sure in the show she's absolutely incredible she plays like eight characters right so do you think that this like comic book series really like added a lot of value to me? I mean, it sounds to me like you, you're saying if without this comic, you may have felt like a hole in the series or you never got an actual answer to something. But with the comic series, the series is the, the whole show feels like more complete. Yeah, 
I I wanted more content. <laughs> there wasn't okay. enough Orphan Black in the world for me, just with the TV show. Okay. But they definitely did a good job of tying these things together. They weren't separate. I feel like sometimes with some of these other comics that we'll be listing, they don't feel like they necessarily exist in the same world. Sometimes they kind of feel more like fan fiction, which I don't have a problem with. It's just that that mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't necessarily build the universe. And this one, this one I think definitely brought more to the, to the existing story and then gave the TV show more to, to refer back to, to build off of. They brought in a character from the comic that was really nice to see. Okay. So with that, do you think, do you want more of this out of other series? I mean, I, we do have others to talk about, and I mean, I do want to get to them, but do you think, like, they could have done, like, a spinoff? Do you think they could have used the comic to continue it? And I know we're going to probably talk about that on another episode, but, um, like, did the Orphan Black series really lend to the comic book medium, or did it just feel like a, I don't mean to devalue comics but like a cheaper way to tell more stories within the orphan black universe see i think orphan black did a really good job of not making it feel like a a cheap i guess money uh medium (laughs) okay uh that they weren't just writing them to like bring in more cash around this I, i definitely felt like they were intending to just give the viewers or the readers more more of the story that they had okay in their back pocket uh, th- there is an Orphan Black mini series that is kind of one of those like what if situations that would not tie back into the show. It, I think it was I think it was put out toward the end of the very last season, and it was just kind of like what if this character lived kind of thing. So okay. that I don't feel like that necessarily helps to build the universe. It lets us. It gives us some insight into that character who died and is therefore not really in the series. So that's nice, but I didn't really think that it added like value to the universe or to the, the existing story. Okay. Cause it's a deviation. Right. 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 Well, we get that, you know, all the time in superheroes, yeah. what if scenarios and alternate universes, things yeah, like that. And but they're fun. I mean, they're fun to read. I'm glad that I got totally. them. I just didn't yeah. think that it added to the, to the story that I wanted to learn about. Right. Gotcha. I mean, I think, you know, the biggest one that that probably contributes this to the added value section is the Star Wars universe. Like all the comics that happen in the Star Wars universe that tell the millions and bajillions of stories that exist in that universe around the same 12 characters somehow. Um, You know, you're thinking about like something like a Poe Dameron story that I've been reading or I stopped recently reading because I was had some issues with it. But um, I I know I, I... I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back and get them in like a sale or something. I just didn't feel like reading it month to month because it wasn't a book that I constantly look forward to, but I did want to read more about it. Yeah, I guess I haven't read that read it in a couple of months. Are you still is it still ongoing? It might be. I, I, I'm not 100% certain. Okay. Um, I wouldn't. I mean, eventually the story has to end because the fucking Star Wars movie came out. Right? Yeah. Like, eventually, you know, unless they're going to start writing every single day of Poe's life leading up to The Force Awakens, I don't think that that book had like an infinite length that it was going to go on. But um, nonetheless, um. I felt like something like that was super valuable because it it gave a lot more backstory to not only Poe, but a lot of the other supplementary characters in the story that were in his Black Squadron. You got to know all of those characters a lot more, and they played around with them um, quite a bit, which was really enjoyable. Like, I really, really like liked how they 
or Charles Soule built up all of those characters in BB-8, and there was little backstories and stuff like that. Um, but it didn't feel like I needed to read that, but it definitely gave more value to those characters going back and watching Force Awakens again and knowing so much more about them and maybe saying, oh, well, this is why they were, you know, they acted this way in the movie because I saw how their motivations were built on in the comic book. And so it gave me personally more value in watching the film. Um, and I think that's what's really cool about this is that there is that potential to get into a character's mindset or see how a character would react in other situations outside of the primary film or television show that they're normally in. And I think, you know, TV has that ability to to go into the backstory of a character because there's just more episodes of it, whereas a film absolutely doesn't. And so it's really cool to see these tie-ins that um, aren't necessary, but they totally add value to the series. Yeah, I was definitely left with a lot of questions about the decisions that were made in uh, the the Last Jedi regarding oh, okay. like why does why does Leia sort of forgive Poe toward the end, like after he had basically like mutinied a little bit oh, uh, no. but the uh i feel like the comics basically more like literally yeah that literally yeah. happened yeah anyway so in the comics you see more of leia and, and poe's backstory and it kind of uh, gives you more of a basis as to why she she trusts him as a whole why she likes him as a character Mm -hmm. all these other missions that he's been on to help out the resistance and all these things like he's, you know, risked his life numerous times, both in the, in the films and in the comics at this point. And that's kind of missing from this last movie, I think. Sure. Totally. So that was definitely the the trust between the two of those characters is built heavily upon in the comic. Mm -hmm. And you can see that it seems like the last Jedi may have been, a a fuck up on Poe's part but it's one fuck up out of you know a hundred times where he actually did the right thing and so I think Leia's ability to forgive him is makes way more sense with that context I totally agree yeah with you there. and and his loyalty toward her like um Haldo is not Leia and right Poe's allegiance is with Leia and right. Well, and what I'm what, what I'm really hoping is that we do get a comic that like builds up that Leia Holdo relationship, because that would be a really cool way to expand that story and give us more to understand who Holdo was and why she was so important to Leia. Um, because there was definitely more than like like a oh we're just kind of you know friends in this rebellion. There was like a like a sisterly relationship between them, or maybe even more. It could have potentially even been romantic. We don't we don't really know because their interaction seems so so like passionate in some ways Mm -hmm. but at the same time like we didn't we don't know anything and we kind of had to read into it um which of course that's movie magic right there you you get to interpret it however you want yeah but i would love to see a holdo series i mean other other than the last jedi and force awakens have you guys read any other star wars books that like tied in that really added value to the rest of that universe i've been following all of the minis i haven't been following the main star wars storyline i need to but i think that that I think that that's the old stories. I think it follows Luke instead of instead of being kind of modern, following the the chronology of the films. But yeah. I've been reading Poe Dameron, uh, Darth Vader, Doctor Aphra, Han Solo. Oh, that Han Solo book was good. Mm-hmm. Renee, how about you? Um, I read all of the Clone Wars ones that came out before any of the the Clone Wars shows and all that. And I also okay. read some of the old Star Wars comics that took place in between episodes four and five. 
And those were, okay. those were kind of fun just to see all the things that happened because there's those are big time jumps in between the movies. Mm-hmm. And so you get to know a little bit more of what they've been through and sort of see how their growth is, you know. And I really liked the the Clone Wars comics because they weren't really shy about showing that this was a war, you know, and that gotcha. things things were bad and, th- and crazy things happened. And it was before they got way too um, out there with just trying to please fans and everything like that, which I feel like a lot of the Clone Wars um, animated show uh, like did a little bit. Sure. Um, but that's a personal Now, thing. is this... Is this Clone Wars series that you're talking about, is this similar to the animated series? Or is this like Clone Wars still being published by Dark Horse probably shortly after the prequels came out? That one, yeah. Okay, so this was before, this was before the acquisition. This was before all the acquisition. This is before the, the animated movie. This is before everything else. So these comics were really the only things that... And the novelizations that that were around that people had to sort of figure out what happened. And there is even some references of those comics in the movies, such as when uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan are talking about that business on Caden Amoidia and why it doesn't count. And that was in the comics because uh, Anakin just gives Obi-Wan his aqua aqua lung for like a a little bit because he's like, oh, you can hold your breath a while. Here, use that. So he's like, that doesn't count. And, you know, that was in the Uh, comics. I see. So that's interesting to see like a direct tie-in like that. I mean, and again, this I think this all kind of pulls together in that same idea to hear about if you had read everything, every little thing, you would get all these little hints and, and Easter eggs and stuff that are in the in the movie. Maybe not Easter eggs, but references to other things that weren't necessarily important to the main overall plot, but totally worked and was super valid if you had read all that stuff. That's really cool. Yeah, the only complaint that I have about the Star Wars comics is that we do have two or three different timelines going on in the comics right now. Right. Being someone that knows which characters belong to which basically set of films, I'm following it just fine. But somebody who else else who would maybe try to be getting into these comics might have a a harder time of it. So I don't know if we need some kind of like chronology, like timeline on the first page or what it says, (laughs) you know, this movie came and then this comic came. Right. And then this other movie comes after it, you know, I don't know. And then with the shows as well, they have their own comics after the show and other tie-ins. Yeah. It's like everything's a mess. And then the numbering system also changed like halfway through for some weird reason. Well, it's interesting because it's, you know, Star Wars is so pervasive in Western culture. Um, I, I, I think you could almost say in like in in European culture and Asian culture as well, like the the knowledge of what Star Wars is and when things take place is almost so pervasive that you don't need that. But I'd be really curious to like talk to someone, maybe even someone like like talk to a child and be like, hey, you know, when does the when do, when do you think this comic book takes place if they're reading it? You know, someone who's like ten or eleven just getting into comics, and maybe they know. Maybe you know, kids. Maybe I shouldn't doubt them, but I could see this definitely be a problem with something like a Star Trek or a Battlestar Galactica. That's probably less of a pervasive thing to be like oh well you know Battlestar Galactica has this timeline and this comic book takes place I don't know like do you have to know you know which which characters are alive or dead which ones are silent I don't know anything enough I don't know enough about Battlestar Galactica to actually talk about it but I, I am curious to know if if 
people would be confused by that. Cause I could maybe see someone being confused by like, I'm just looking at Kate's awesome list of things like Dr. Who <laughs> for instance, and being like, okay, well the 12th doctor did all of these things, but there was that time where he ran into the 11th doctor and the 13th yeah. doctor somehow ran into all of them. And then the eighth yep. doctor went way into the future and saw all the doctors, <laughs> you know, and be like, hold on a second. So when does this comic actually take place? Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. what do I need to know? Did did we get the reveal of who the head of Bode is, or you know, all that stuff, or the face of Bode? You know, all that, all those questions, Bo. potential it's just problems. Bo, man. Bo, okay. Face of so Bo. I, I haven't watched I haven't watched Doctor Who in a few years. Well, sorry. then get on it, Mike. Gosh. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, one thing I will say. Doctor. Yeah, I, I, one thing I will say is I know that the Titan comics that have been coming out for Doctor Who apparently have been very good, like from beginning to end, and I've only heard just spectacular recommendations for doc, from Doctor Who fans about that series, or any of those books, because I know they do like a 12th Doctor, a 13th Doctor, a 10th Doctor, and then they did like little minis of the 8th Doctor, and it's all over the place, because Titan knows what the fuck is up, I guess. <laughs> I mean, there's so much to do with the 8th Doctor, because we only had a movie with him. And, and then that little mini right before they did the um, the 50-year special. So, I mean, there's so much to do with the 8th Doctor. I think they also right. have a couple, like, uh, radio shows or something like that. Maybe a podcast mm-hmm. episode or something like that. But there's so much to do with the 8th Doctor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and there was plenty of other comics, too, even before Titan, you know, got the rights to publish all of those. So, I mean, I know that there's a lot of Doctor Who comics is what I'm saying. Yeah, the only... The only set of Doctor Who comics that I have is a mini called Four Doctors, and it's been so long that I can't remember what it was about, but it has to do with the Four Doctors meeting, which is maybe, I mean, I know that Doctor Who is a show that you can't pick apart the canon or the mechanics of the universe because they break all of their own rules episodes apart from when they set them. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, we can't do this because it's a paradox, but in the next episode, we introduce a paradox. Yep. (laughs) Well, Which is just yeah, part like of the experience. Paradox I mean. machines and time can be rewritten. Yep. And Except for when it can't because there's hard points in time or something. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Except for a couple of seasons later when they figure out how to get back to that time anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But this uh, this Four Doctors mini has five issues to it, which just kind of irks me a little bit. It's Four oh. Doctors. <laughs> Come on. It has to be four issues. (laughs) Right, right. I'll have to reread this. Well, maybe it's it's one issue for all the doctors, and then the last issue, like in Skins, there's an episode for everyone. It's an episode everyone. Could be. Could be. This is now a Skins podcast. We're only going to talk about (laughs) Skins, um, the British television show that is a piece of hot flaming garbage that I cannot stop loving. Whoa. Um, Whoa. I haven't seen it yet. Renee, it is not garbage. How dare you? Let's be let's be real about this. We're, we're going to talk about this after the show. Uh, <laughs> I would say I will fight you about this because I actually get, uh, we'll talk about this later. We're going to talk about this later. Yeah, so, so before we get completely off the rails, I wanted to talk about <laughs> I wanted to talk about the Archie universe a little bit. So okay. we have the Archie comics. <laughs> you sounded uh, too excited about that, Mike. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm fine with that. I, I think Archie's really cool. I like Archie uh, and We're Riverdale. back on topic. Uh, so we had the Archie comics decades ago. I don't even remember when they started. And then we have the show and the new comics. And the show is completely different than the old comics. Well, we're, 
and we're talking about Riverdale, not the Hanna-Barbera Archie's cartoon television show that came out that looks exactly like Scooby-Doo, but everyone's dressed up like Archie characters. Oh, yeah, it, you're right. Thank you should you watch that on Amazon Prime. It's I don't fantastic. Want to. <laughs> anyways, anyways, <laughs> we're talking that. about Riverdale, the modern yeah. Archie television show. Yep, you're right. Which we can't badmouth, otherwise Carol will come after us yeah. with yep. everything. Well... But I Anyways, wanted to, continue. I wanted to touch on this. I haven't read very many of the new comics that go with this show, but Jughead the Hunger and then the Sabrina Jughead crossover is really interesting to me because it you're basically taking this CW um, teenage drama TV show and then you're making it horror. And that's really interesting because you're you're changing genres, you're ta- changing focal um you're changing viewpoints. You're bringing something that's not in the show at all, and you're focusing right. on like, that in the comic. I thought books. Riverdale What's, was like kind of a horror because, like, isn't it like so, a murder well, mystery? And like, it is a murder so mystery. You're right, but I'm there's talking. Like, there's like four or five things going on here. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's really complicated because there is the Archie comic book series or Archie comics line. There is the old Archie, quote-unquote old Archie, that kind of follows that 50s, 60s era style that has been kind of the Archie staple for a really long time. And that still comes out in, like, digests and stuff. Then there's the, quote-unquote, modern Archie, which is the Mark Wade, Fiona Staples beginning run that had, like, a Jughead sister book and then later a Betty and Veronica sister book. And now there's, like, Betty and Veronica Vixens, which is Betty and Veronica not connected to those books, but it's a modern take on Betty and Veronica if they were in a biker game gang Mm -hmm. and then there is Jughead the Hunger which is an alternate universe where Jughead becomes or maybe becomes this um cannibal and it's not a cannibal he's a wendigo and then there's the Sabrina series which is the chilling adventures of Sabrina which is a horror-ish book that was going to become a Netflix original series and Jughead the Hunger and Sabrina cross over I believe and then Afterlife with Archie is a similar thing where the Sabrina character creates this whole undead world on accident but it's not tied back to the chilling adventures of sabrina there's like a ton of stuff going on here it's you'd think that they'd all be related but archie comics in general just loves taking their their trope characters and then throwing them into a scenario because they're always going to be those characters like that's something kara has always harped on and i love her for it because it doesn't like those characters are so good and if you grab how those characters act and you take their mannerisms and their responses like they would in any other regular Archie book that may be about oh no the dog ate my homework but instead it's oh no Jughead ate all of my friends Archie <laughs> will react kind of the same way <laughs> in his own Archie way uh, and that's what makes those unit those stories work what's interesting the most about the Sabrina book is that it takes place in like the 60s or 70s way before the modern Archie book so I don't know how it all ties together but it is in my opinion, supplementary to the television shows that are out there, right? And maybe that's what you're getting at, Kate. I didn't mean to like jump all over your point here. No, that's fine. I am behind on the show, and I haven't read very many of the comics. I'm excited okay. about them, though. I mean, the show has gotten me interested in um, Betty and Veronica, particularly, and then Archie trying to be like a good guy and just getting into all sorts of different messes. Yeah, so that's I definitely him. I want <laughs> yeah. So I want to read these comics. I mean, it'll it'll bring some understanding of the characters to me, I think. Even if it doesn't necessarily tie back in with the show. Yeah. I mean, if you want to get like the direct one-to-one 
um, show to comic connection, there is a Riverdale comic that's coming out. That's That right. is like a supplementary book to the television show. So if you like the Betty and Veronica and the Cheryls and the J- Jughead and everybody that's in the Riverdale show, you'll probably dig the Riverdale comic that's coming out. It takes the more like drama heavier side of the CW television show and puts it into a comic book, which is the biggest appeal for me as far as that show is concerned. <laughs> Just so much fucking drama. Oh my gosh. And there's like a dark thriller side to it as well. Yeah. I think it's the road to Riverdale and it kind of tells you what happened before the, the sh- start of the show. Riverdale. Or is that different? Yeah. I think you I think you're right. You okay? I'm sorry. The road to Riverdale kind of slayed me there for a second. <laughs> that sounds like a DVD menu option. The road oh, to yeah. Riverdale. How the show came about. Here's sculptures See, of what Archie originally looked like. What I'm what I'm hoping for is so that there was an issue of Jughead um, that came out recently, the Chip Zdarsky Jughead that he did, and they went to Greendale, and in Greendale there was like a gender swap version of all of the characters, and now knowing how the CW operates, given the number of crazy wild CW episodes of Supernatural that I've seen, that only means that Riverdale at some point will do this crazy gender swap episode where they all kind of fall in love with their their counterparts oh my gosh um which i really really hope when i you, really really want when to you see say it. greendale do you mean like community greendale like greendale like that's where sabrina the teenage witch the television show starring melissa joan hart oh is in. oh okay sorry i haven't seen they, sabrina they do in like have 20 the same years. name i thought you were talking about yeah. like greendale like community and i was like no is no, Je- no is jeff weird gonna hit like, on betty and veronica like what if I if I remember correctly, Greendale is like the neighboring city to Riverdale and their arch nemeses and like football and all the sports and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, and there's a lot to say to tie into this Archie thing. We've got plenty of Archie episodes out there. Kara and I went deep into the Archie universe yeah. um, for two episodes. So go check those out if you want more about Archie. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Road to Riverdale series is probably your best bet to tie into the TV show. That'd be my guess. But I, the only, the only other big things I could think of was, you know, there's like a lot of Star Trek comics out there that IDW publishes, um, that are supposed to tie directly into the TV shows. I don't read them at all. Um, and I, I don't know, I've just never been super into franchise books, which I've talked about multitudes on, on this show before, despite the fact that I read these books sometimes, um, and it, Ghostbusters is another big one that um, has been going on for a while that IDW has been publishing because there's not enough Ghostbusters in our world. Therefore, <laughs> we need the comics to actually give us more fun, you know, trips into the weird ghostly world that is Ghostbusters. Like, you'd think if there were that many ghosts running around, like, there would be a much bigger problem. And yet, they survive somehow. I don't know. That's a weird alternate universe, I'm guessing. I, I, have you guys read any of those? Do you read Star Trek books or Ghostbusters at all? Um, no, I don't. Uh, the only thing I know about Star Trek, I know a little bit about Star Trek because my brother used to watch it, but I definitely do not read Star Trek, and I didn't know Ghostbusters okay. had a comic. The only I knew about the Doctor Who ones, and I guess all the Archie ones, and I, I guess I, I kind of know that these things are out there. But my only real experience with the sort of expanding TV and movie universes are the um, comics that are supposed to be prequels to superhero movies. Like, I own the prequel comic to X2. Oh, okay. X-Men hmm. United. <laughs> How is that? It's actually really good. Okay, okay. <laughs> like, there's, there's like three stories in it. I don't remember what the first one is because I think it was 
kind of stupid. But there's one where like Wolverine leaves at the end of first X-Men and he comes back and he's like, there was nothing at Alkali Lake. And so it's about him going to do that. And he runs into Sabretooth and they have a cool little fight and there's all uh, kinds yeah, of stuff. Like you do. And it's, but it's really interesting because it was really, it's, it's very Wolverine and it was really interesting. But my favorite one is that it does the back story of Kurt Wagner and it's Ooh. very, it's very, very heartbreaking, but it also sort yeah, of, he's a, he's a tragic character, man. Yeah. But it also goes into like what happens when he, like the way that he, they captured him, like Stryker and his team captured him. And also the way that, um, Kurt, you know, talks about, he talks about God with Stryker and all that. And like Stryker mm-hmm. was trying to convince him to kill without, you know, having to use the serum or whatever. And it just sort of emphasizes how great a character Kurt Wagner is. And it's got some of my favorite Nightcrawler quotes. Like, he's trying to convince Nightcrawler to kill someone. He says, no, that would be against God. And Stryker's like, dude, you know how many people kill in the name of God on this God-forsaken planet? And just mm-hmm. Kurt's, you know, response is like, well, my God is a God of love. My God even loves people like you. And, like, oh, man. the guards beat up Kurt because he's a mutant or whatever. And one guard is like, you don't pray to my God and beats him up every time he catches him praying. And so he's like, hey, Mutie, oh, wow. have you been praying lately? He's like, yeah, but it obviously didn't go through because you're still ugly. <laughs> See, that's that's such a Nightcrawler thing to say, too. I know. Oh, man, it's, that's great. It's really good, and it's one of my favorite ones, that I still own it even though it's falling apart. Yeah. So, so I guess, you know, my, my question to you guys now is, you know, do you think that these types of books – work well for you like are these if 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 these books are available and you're interested in the you know the source do you find yourself seeking them out or do you just think it's a happy coincidence oh look they happen to make a comic book about this if it's something that i'm already into like orphan black or doctor who or star wars i'll seek it out if i if i okay. know that it exists for things like like the original Buffy comics that were coming out at the same time of the, as the TV show, they mm-hmm. were kind of, they were like allowed to exist by the network and by the creators, but they didn't tie into the story. So I kind of tend to, av- in that case, I kind of avoid that particular comic because there's already so much to the Buffy world that you, but I kind of right. want to remember going forward in the comics that are canon, I guess, that were written sure. by the original creators that I just kind of avoid the original comics because they sort of feel like they're more like fan fiction, which I don't mm-hmm. have a problem with fan fiction. I just, when it's something like Buffy, I want to just stay in the the story, I guess. No, that's, I mean, that's totally fine. I think, so I guess for you, Kate, you're saying it's like, as long as, is it, if it feels, or maybe it is like signed off as like official canon, it works better for you. Yeah, the exception being Jughead the Hunger. I haven't read that one specifically yet. <laughs> Just the idea that they've made Archie characters into like these horror characters. Sure. I want to. I want to read that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like horror comics though, so that could okay. be why. Okay. What about you, Renee? Do you th- did the, do books like this work for you? Do you like actively seek them out, or is it ha- happy coincidence? Uh, it's always a happy coincidence. It's more of I go into a comic book shop, or I go into Barnes and Noble, or another bookstore, and I sure. wander around and I look at all of I look at all of the comics, and if if the title or something like that or the art jumps out at me, I will pick it up and I will scan through it. 
but the main thing is that like the story has to be interesting. I don't really care about canon. I don't care about how this connects to the TV show or anything, even if I know of it. It's if that story sounds interesting to me, I will get it. I will read it. I'll buy it. I'll rent it, whatever. It, the story always has to – I always have to be like, you know what? I want to read this, which is why I, gotcha. I bought that X2 comic, which is why sometimes I read those Doctor Who comics. And it's why I read mm -hmm. The Clone Wars. But if like – if there's a comic where I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is about Archie and Jughead go to a rock concert. I guess that's cool that that exists, but uh, I'm, I'm all right if I don't read it. Gotcha. So it's cool. Just, it's just it always has to be interesting to me. I don't know. And you know, yeah, no, I mean, it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how do you? I guess what determines? Does it sound cool or not to you? I I guess it just I, I don't know because it's it, it's it's all different kinds of things because like I we were saying earlier, like you know sometimes I read sports manga and some sports manga are interesting and some aren't some manga are about or some comics are about like knights and they're great or some of them are about just you know people playing or just people in college and it's a it's a slice of life book and sometimes it's interesting sometimes it's not so it's it's more of like i guess honestly it comes up to the person who writes the summary on the back of the book <laughs> if you have sold right. me in that like you know in that paragraph that makes me want to be like, you know what? It is worth that amount on the back. I just, I can't tell you. It's just some kind of combination of words and gut instinct. Gotcha. Cool. Well, I mean, I don't really have any thoughts because like I said, I hate franchise books except for when I love them. So, uh, you know, it's, it's really hard for me to get into a franchise book until I get like a serious recommendation from somebody, but that's pretty much it. So I guess, you know, let's, we can wrap up the show. Thank you guys so much for being here as always. Um, you can follow us all on Twitter. You can follow Kate at Kate L fear, uh, with a PH. You can follow Renee on Twitter at Rodrigo 29. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike Rappin and you can follow the show at IRCB podcast where we retweet all sorts of fun stuff and post really cool things things and we post polls on friday such as how tall is Stiltman? the answers well i gave one answer in that week's poll you know i feel like i i maybe skewed the results so <laughs> we'll see how it turns out by next friday when i post the answers check out our goodreads group where we post weekly threads this week's thread was what was your first comic book also check out our website at ircbpodcast.com and you can also check out the store at store.ircbpodcast.com where you can buy t-shirts and pins and stickers. I'm so excited about it. Make sure to rate and subscribe. We'd love to hear from you. And along that note, you can also email the show at ircb at storedside.org. We want to hear from you. We like hearing from you. Ask us weird questions. Not too personal. I mean, unless, I guess if we're cool with that, go ahead. Get personal get personal get personal and you can always send us hate <laughs> if you have any questions about manga i am always here for you always yeah renee gives really good recommendations um infinity shred is the best band in the universe they do all the music for the show we can't thank them enough for letting us use their music xander is a wizard he edits the show he's got a cool high five he does a really cool spin dance when he's really excited about something <laughs> i've seen it one time i want to say thank you to everyone for listening to the show thank you to kate and renee for being on the show and until next time may jack kirby's ghost bless you oh <laughs>